listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, church. Hey, welcome to part four of a series that we've been leaning into because it's answering some pretty weighty questions in our walk with God, like what your life might be missing. And we presented uh, a series of answers to that right out of God's word that I have already heard are really helping people. Uh, Today is going to be the fourth part. Uh, Grab something to take notes with. And while you're doing that, I want to give you two quick announcements The first one is this. Uh, Coming up on February 12th, we are having Super Sunday here at New Chapel. What in the world is that? It is our way to skirt around copyright laws because we're not allowed to call it a Super Bowl party, so we would never call it a Super Bowl party. And so, uh, but we're having Super Sunday. Pastor Tommy Pinkerton is going to be here at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock the morning of. Yeah. He's crazy. He's a nut. He's our nut. I love him to death. And uh, Uncle Tommy will be here 9 and 11 on Super Bowl morning. And then in the evening at 6 o'clock, everybody say 6. 6, we're having a family-friendly Super Bowl party here at the church watching the game. And the best part about it is we don't watch halftime because we have taste. And so uh, that's going to be great. It's not for moral reasons. It's just for taste. But uh, uh, it's going to be a great time. Make sure you make plans to be there. And by the way, gentlemen, if you don't come, I know some of you are very superstitious about NFL things. If you don't come, your team will lose. Look at Pastor Joe put something on you. Mr. Clean can't take off. I'm just telling you. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Romans, Romans chapter 12. We've been talking in this series about how we are what we repeatedly do, that the things that we're doing are actually becoming the, the epitus for how our life is, is shaping out. And the arc of this whole story is this, write this down if you haven't been with us, that many people have high hopes in life, yet their hopes aren't realized. Why? You're missing something. It's, it's, it's you want to change, there's the inspiration to change even, but you can't change, and it's not, you, it's not for lack of want. It's because you're missing a key component in the change that you're looking for. And, and I love inspiration. Honestly, I think that we need more inspiration. That's why I love it when Pastor Tommy comes and preaches at New Chapel, because he is so inspiring to listen to. I love listening to T.D. Jakes. Come on, T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes will preach you in the corner, sucking your thumb. I mean, he'll mess you up, and it's wonderful. I wish I had some of that, but like, inspiration is, is, is a huge deal, but what this series has really endeavored to do is give you the preparation that you need to actually take the ground that you desire in your life. Can I hear an Amen. We've tried to give you not simplistic self-help advice. We've, we've really worked to give you the simplicity of God's word. <clears throat> and many of us, we have a list of, of these high hopes and resolutions and things that we want to change. And, and so many of us are engaging in that change in, in just what you can do in yourself. And that's fine. I mean, you'll have some results with just behavior modification, trying to force something, but you'll be so much better off when you change God's way. You'll go so much further when you change the way that he instructs us. And we've been sharing this passage out of Romans 12, this entire series. I want to read it again. Romans 12, 2. Fix your attention on God, the Bible says. You'll be changed. How? Inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. That's some self-awareness that you're going to need in this process. 
readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level, God brings out the best. What does he do? He develops well-formed maturity in you. So even if you're trying to change in your own power, you're just going to force your way through it, you see how the world is still dragging you down. You have to overcome that if you're going to do it the world's way. And so by the end of this series, which by the way, next week is the last part of the series. You don't want to miss the conclusion. This is really going to be the thing that marries it all together. But by the end of the series, we will have presented five things. The first week, we talked about how we, as, as the church, need to put God first. As Christians, God has to be first in our life. The second week, we talked about how we need to control the way that we think. And then last week, Pastor Brian gave me a run for my money and, and really kind of makes me defend my job a little bit because he did so well, talking about how we need to keep our lives in alignment with our purpose. Why not? Honor where it's due. He did great. And the message that he shared, if you did miss it, all of them are available, newchapel.com slash watch. You need to keep your life in alignment with God's great purpose. The fourth practice that we're going to present to you, the message for today, write this down. What your life is missing, this is the declaration I think you need to make if you want to make change. You need to choose your relationships carefully. You want real change? You've got to make some relationship changes in your life. This is a big one. This is giant. In fact, I think it's way bigger than you might even give it credit for. Relationships are the key to experiencing the real and the lasting change that you desire to have realized inside your everyday life. You are where you are today and who you are today is a result of the relationships that are in your life. In some relationships, we don't get to choose. If you came from a family of hillbillies, I'm sorry, you didn't get a vote, right? But, but at the same time, they're your hillbillies, whether, you, whether you're tight with them or not. And, and in kind, we do get to choose a lot of our relationships in our life. And relationship decisions are some of the most important decisions of your entire life. Wise people choose their relationships very carefully. You should write that down. You should tweet that. You should like write cliff notes on it. Wise people choose relationships very carefully. They don't just allow any relationship into their life. They don't just accept everything through their filter. Proverbs, the Bible says this in Proverbs 27, that a mirror reflects a man's face. But what, by the way, pause, everybody look at me. How many of y'all just found as you get older, it takes an exceptionally long amount of time just to look average? (laughs) Not my message. I don't know. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he's really like, it's not the mirror. It's going to be shown by the kind of friends that he, and here's that operative word, chooses. Circle that in your Bible. The friends that he chooses. So I want to give us four thoughts about relationships and and typical Pastor Joe. Then I'm going to give us four practical things that we can apply into our lives. Jot these down with me. First thought is this. We need to nurture and we need to cultivate the important relationships in our life. Nurture. These are action words, verbs that are describing like if you do this, it'll make a change. You need to nurture and cultivate the important relationships. Now, very hopefully, uh, you have important relationships in your life, God and, and, and family and friends, and these relationships 
by the way, how whatever condition that they're in, whether you have a great marriage or a bad marriage, the, the relationship is not in the spot that it is, whether it's doing well or not, because of the nature of the relationship. It's, it's based on how the relationship was treated. So here's what I'm trying to say. Like, there's, there's no bad marriage. The marriage is either made bad or it's made good. It's not the nature in and of what it is, right? The, the nature of the relationship called marriage, it's made good or it's made bad. I, I talked to a guy down at the altar one time, and he said, Pastor Joe, the fire has gone out in my marriage. The fire's gone out. And he talked about that for a really long time. And, and, and finally, I was just like, dude, listen, fireplaces aren't good or bad or produce good or bad fires because of the fireplace. It's whether it is fueled or not. You say the fire's going out in your marriage. You need some wood, sir. That <laughs> didn't, didn't hear that until I said it, but so the pure, all things are pure. <clears throat> Jesus, come back in the room. I'm sorry for the thing I made it. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's either fueled or it's not fueled. Oh, grow up. Golly. <laughs> it's either fueled, right? You either got wood on the fire or if there's no fire, you're not putting the fuel in that it needs. Does that make sense? It's not the fireplace. It's whether or not it's being managed in the proper way. And, and, and all relationships take work. All of them. None of them are exempt from taking work. It is a myth in our society, especially with young people I see. This myth that if it's a good relationship, it should be effortless. <laughs> Bologna is a city in Italy. I'm just telling you. No, the best relationships take a ton of work. My wife is an angel, and it's still a lot of work. She's hit me with those wings all the time. I'm blinded by the glory of God coming off her. Like. And so what I'm trying to say is that every relationship takes work. And, and your marriage isn't good because it's, it's by its nature good or bad. It's good or bad because of what you've done with it, what the other spouse has done with it. And the devil hates your marriage. He hates the fact that you're married, and, and he's trying to undermine you every way that he can. And marriages, by the way, don't maintain themselves. I date my wife every single Thursday. You say, Pastor, do you believe in hot dates? Are there any other kind? I'm, I'm just telling you, you need it. You need this. And, and I've heard people, they say, well, man, Pastor Joe... I don't know, the fire's gone here, but there's this other person, and I'm looking at that other person, and it looks like the grass is greener. And what you don't know is there might be some reasons why that grass appears so green. Maybe it's just really well watered. Maybe that other person's in a relationship, and, and, and it's the water bill's high. That's the, that's the cost to play. And, and, and you, just, you think that, that it would just be, by default, wonderful uh, on the onset. But, but that's not how relationships work. But then there's another component you might not be seeing. And that's the fact that it might be really well fertilized. Anybody else uh, met another relationship and you're like, I think you're full of crap. I think that you're Facebook happy. But I've lived long enough to know fake. And when you look at the grass is greener over on the other side, it might just be all that fertilizer that you don't see that once you left the relationship that you're in, you'd start wading through it. You'd be up a certain creek I know up north. That, that, and, and, and so the most important relationships, they need to be nurtured. 
What does the Bible say in 1 Peter? The end of all things is near. Check. You're at the end of the end times. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. And here it is. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, Next thing, write this down. We need to restore the broken relationships in our life. Restore. That's that verb there. Restore the broken relationships. This can be, just to be honest, a painful process. Uh, More often than not, it is. In the pain, however, I have found of fixing a relationship is often less than the pain of a severed relationship. But I get it. There's some times where they won't play ball, and, 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 and you get put into a spot where they, they won't play, and so it, it, it's like checkmate. But, but the Bible says this in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And if it is possible, circle the word if in your Bible. God is telling you it's not always possible. But, but if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, underline that, live at peace with everybody. So they get a vote in it. They can just shut you down and say no. They can lie to your face and say, oh, we'll, we'll go meet for coffee, and then they never do. And, and, and friend, I'm telling you, they get a vote in it. I get it. But what we have to do is be the people that says, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to do what I can do to make it right. And if you can't live at peace with them, listen to me, live at peace with you by doing everything you can do to make that relationship right. Say amen, somebody. It's a huge deal. Massive. Forgiveness is huge. And and I marvel sometimes how it's missing from some of the teaching that we hear in pop culture, in church culture. You know, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer goes over seven different big things, and one of them is forgiveness. He He says, you should pray this way. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. Like to the same degree that they messed with me, God, I forgive them And so I'm asking for that forgiveness in my life. And sometimes we barely do it. We're we're like, God, I forgive them. You struck them with lightning. I'd be fine with that. You know, I'll go to their funeral. I'll cry and laugh at the same time. I can do that. You know, you're crazy. That's not Christianity. Forgive them. Forgive them. And, and, and there should be series at this church preached about forgiveness. But the tall and short is that, that in real relationship, if that's what we're going to have, you're going to have to forgive people that do you wrong because good people will even do you wrong. Colossians 3, what does the Bible say? Bear with each other. Bear with each other. Well, that's a Christian relationship. Like even in the best relationship. How many of you found just like your adults in the room that you were so glad maybe in, in college you had to live with other people? You're so glad you don't have to live with other people, right? You have your own problems living with your family, but like, you, you know, it's difficult. Even with people that you like, And you have to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. How? There it is. As the Lord forgave you. And friend, I forgive people that have done me wrong for their sake. Sure. But if you want to like flip the script and be a little selfish about it, I forgive them for me. I don't have the capacity to carry that junk in my mind. I was talking with somebody this week and they were saying, Pastor Joe, 
This person told me that they were going to give me a certain amount of money. They never did it. And I've talked to them twice, and they said, check's in the mail. The second time, they said, well, the check got returned because we had the address wrong, so I gave them the address, and it still has not come. Do I reach out one more time? And I said, you could. You absolutely could. There'd be nothing out of order by doing that. But if they don't respond after this, you might need to define when you stop because you can live with a chip on your shoulder because you got taken advantage of, we'll say, and, and, and you can focus and fixate on trying to make that thing right. Or what you can do is say, you know what, God, they can't steal anything from me. And so I'm going to submit this to you. They didn't steal it. I'm giving it to them. And God, I pray that you'd fill the gap in Jesus' name. And you got to move on with you. Because the enemy can get good people who have, a, like in our church, high justice gift. <laughs> like, we love justice. But what happens is you'll end up running around. And the enemy only has to mess you up with something small. And you get fixated on it. And you're not free. Okay, got, got, got to move on. Much more we could say. Now, there is a point where things can go toxic, where a line can be crossed, and, and it's very difficult to salvage a relationship if it should be salvaged. I, myself, uh, have been a victim of abuse uh, in my childhood abuse, poverty, abuse, and neglect, big time. Um, I, had, I had relationships in my life where I had a spiritual abuser, and I'll tell you, I, my mother is a drug addict and an alcoholic, and I face some wild things. You, you wouldn't put it past me, but I face some wild things in my life. And the worst abuse I ever had was from my pastor. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it hurt. Because those things, those, those are themes of eternity and, and eternal worth, and, and, and it really messed with me. And, and I had to finally grow up to the spot in the Word of God where I had to step in and sever. Write that one down. We need to sever the harmful relationships. Write it down, sever the harmful ones. At least redefine them. Sever or redefine. Now, just to be clear, I am not talking about your spouse. So if you're like, praise God. Hey, Pastor Joe said, hit the road, Jack. You know, I mean, that is not what this message is about. In fact, uh, that, that, that couldn't be further uh, from the truth. But, but there are relationships that are not good for you. Uh, what are they? I want to name some of them. I want to go deep. And, and people want me to go deep. And I think they talk about deep as though it's very interesting and complex. I'm going to tell you some pretty simple things to hear as though like it's coming out of my mouth, but these are pretty weighty. Uh, we'll go in the deep end of the pool for just a second. If, if you're in a relationship and you're married and you're flirting with somebody at work, and I see this more and more often, people are on Facebook and they find some old flame and you had some connection back when you were a teenager, when you looked different, and, and you're trying to strike up the band again, listen to me, call it off today. Get your phone out. Because Well, I can't get my phone out. My wife, my husband's going to, they know already. And if they don't, they're going to find out. Numbers 23, the truth's going to find you. You text them, it is over. You can even text them, Pastor Joe said it's over. And then block them in your phone, delete that number. I'm done with all that junk. Listen to me, sir, it's not worth it. You think the grass is greener, and so you're pursuing something. You feel young again because you're chasing some skirt. Let me tell you something. When you get there and it's going to be on, you're not even going to know what to do. Because God's going to be in that room. And as the great prophet Johnny Cash said, sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. And you're not going to know what to do with yourself. It's not going to be what you want when you get there. 
And so cut it off today. It's not worth it. You think it's going to be so much better with this new person, exciting new relationship. You're going to be carrying in the same dysfunction that made your current relationship in the spot that it is. What you need to do is say, it is over. Everybody say over. Over. Okay, next, cohabitation. If you're with somebody, but you're not married yet, I am not a sin preacher, meaning I'm not standing up here trying to condemn you. I'm going to tell you, how about this? Let's take a secular perspective. Statistically, if you're living with each other before you're married, the statistics say it is very unlikely that you will keep the relationship that you have, that that it will run its course because there is not that bedrock of commitment. And God created this world in a certain way. And, And it's not about judging you. I'm not judging you. I have had people in this ministry come, and they said, Pastor Joe, we're doing that. What should I do? I said, well, big boy, move out. Go live with your mama. Let her have the apartment. Let her have the house. Let's take you on a journey, and then you all need to get married. Let's do it right. Quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'm just trying to help everybody. If you want to keep the relationship you have, statistically, you ought to be a person that does it in God's grand way. You know, I'm I'm thinking about... uh, People compromising. Uh, There was a certain pastor I know in western Michigan, I'll put it that way, and he went too far and got into a romantic relationship with someone else at the church besides his wife and a full-on affair, everything you can imagine, and eventually lost everything. He lost the church. He's not the pastor there any longer. He lost his marriage. He lost the respect of his kids. In fact, his kids will not allow their dad, to come into their home. And the Bible has scripture on that, by the way, but won't even allow it. He lost everything in his life and gained a relationship that if I put their profile pictures on Facebook next to each other, you'd be like, they're the same person. He just went for a different yard. The grass wasn't greener. And it's the deception. And and let me tell you something. I let that haunt me. I don't want to be that guy. Can you imagine what would happen if I let my guard down? And I went and did that. Can you imagine the amount of young believers that would just let their faith go? It'd be like, this whole thing's fake. The amount of people that lose faith in the church. The amount of people that would just walk away from this whole thing. Or, or, or that would, I'm done with organized religion. That's the new in vogue thing. And, and it would all, I let it haunt me. You know what's amazing about that whole thing? There was a great young man of God that took over that church as a remnant. And he saved it, the amount that he could save. But that church had to go from a 40,000 square foot building to a 5,000 square foot building. And when they were doing that's when we were building all of this in much of the furniture, fixtures, and equipment, all the tables and chairs out there, many of the signs that are around here, they came from that church. Now, another church bought that building. And when they went in there, they took the cornerstone out that was laid by that pastor who was in the affair, and they put in a new cornerstone. I drive by there because it's the church that Kai and I got married in. In the cornerstone, do you know what it says? It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. I'll mess with you. And I let it mess with me, and sir, ma'am, let it mess with you, because you will not be happy on the other end. Boy, it got deep here. Next, sinful relationships. These are not romantic relationships at all. These are friendships, but when you get around these people, maybe these are lifelong friends or outstanding friendships, when you get around them, you don't act like the new you who you've become. Like when you get around these relationships, it pulls you down and there's coarse jesting and you're saying crazy things and you're acting a fool. Maybe you go too far. You let your inhibitions kind of fall. 
The Bible deals with this. Uh, it says this in 2 Timothy 2, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their talk will spread how? Like gangrene. So you get around other people and you just loose-lipped. You're loose-lipped talking about things. Listen to me. You need to sever that relationship or at least redefine it. Some of you, it'd be really inappropriate to sever it, but it cannot go on as it was before and have you actually be in a clear conscience relationship with Jesus. And let me circle all the way back to abusive relationships. Uh, God has not called you to be beaten up in a marriage. So if you're being beaten up in your marriage, you come to Pastor Joe and we'll solve that real quick. And you, you have absolute scriptural right to get out of that marriage if you're being physically abused. God has not called your kids to be your faith experiment. Well, we're staying together for the kids. Anybody who says that, you're crazy. Because the kids know exactly what's going on. Kids, if I've learned one thing about Chirin, is that they are a lie detector up in your grill. And so you might have to step in and sever because it is absolute abuse. And I've known some good and godly people who stayed under a certain pastor under spiritual abuse, and they thought they were doing right. They thought it was some sort of brand of loyalty, but the truth was this. They weren't being loyal to their families. They weren't being loyal to their calling, and they weren't being loyal to their finances. It cost them years. Now, God can make that up, but listen to me very carefully. God has not called you to be in an abusive relationship for your entire life. That's not your calling. Can I hear an amen, church? I got to press on. Uh, last thing I'm going to uh, talk about is, is an action that we can do, and then I'll get into some practical things. But we need to write it down. Let's initiate, initiate some meaningful relationships. Initiate, circle initiate. You need to get some good relationships going. You can't really do this life by yourself. You might try. And we need to start good relationships, godly relationships. The Bible says this in Hebrews 10. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And check this, all the more as you see the day approaching. It's the day when Jesus returns. It's saying that you need to be in this, these godly relationships that are encouraging you, lifting you up in your walk with God. And so we need to get these right relationships in our life. How do we initiate these relationships? Four things. Here we go. Number one. You need to develop a relationship with your church. In fact, I put it this way, with my church. I like that verbiage for this reason. Everybody needs my church. It doesn't have to be this church. I'm inviting you to make it your church. I'm pretty partial to New Chapel myself. But, but you need my church. You need to be able to say, like, these are my people. That's my pastor. That's my worship team. Come on, G. Like, my people. You need my church. There are 30 verses just in the New Testament alone, that you cannot fulfill unless you're plugged in to the local church. Bible says this in Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family. Now, this is very interesting. God's family is in China right now. It's in Vietnam. It's in Pakistan. It's in the UK. It's in Brazil, and it's in the United States, and it's in this room. God's family is on earth, and God's family is in heaven. So, we become members of God's family when we accept Jesus as our Lord. And then it says this, and, if you have this, this open in your Bible, circle the word and, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So in other words, 
I can't give you church membership. Well, where do I sign up to be a member here? We don't even offer it. We don't even offer it because it is only God that can give you membership and it's found through a relationship with Jesus. But at the same time, you belong. You belong in a local church, God's local household. And the Bible writes to us making this presupposition that you are already plugged into a local church. It doesn't even guess any of that. So I realize that many of you, in the sound of my voice, you might just be coming in in January, right, trying to like re-up commitment to God and church, and you're just an attender. I'm fine with it. In fact, I dreamed of a church where we could just have attenders, where people could just come here and, and hear the word of God. But I don't want you to stay there. I, I believe this, that if you just come and you receive, God's going to do his thing in your heart, and he'll lift you up, and you got to plug in because you belong someplace in this world. You know, when Kai and I were first together, we were dating, you know, and you could think of that like that we were attending one another, like we're, we're going to see each other here and there. But then we got married. Now we belong to one another. And there are certain privileges and there's certain responsibilities that come along with all that, everybody. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that, that that's the picture, is, is I want you to be able to come in here and just be free. But, but ultimately, God has more for you in his walk. And, and so at New Chapel, we don't have membership. But what do we have? We want you to join the church, but we call it partnership. And partnership is vocabulary that creates culture. You see, members have rights and privileges. Member, you're a member at the country club. Well, I'm a member of this club. I'm a member of the sportsman's club. And you're like, well, that's where I park, and that's my chair, and I expect this because I've, I've paid my dues, and so therefore I'm a member, and I'm a member. So I, I have it coming. So don't you sit in my little row at church like that's where I worship the Lord, you know? But partnership is totally different. If you're a partner, think of it like an in investment terms. If you're going to go into a partnership and start something, you have invested interest. This is why the GO team parks somewhere in Caledonia to, to <laughs> walk to church on a Sunday morning is because, oh, we need to give those spots to people that are coming to New Chapel for the first time. We'd, that's what those cars are all by our sign. They are the people of God saying, hey, take my spot. You can have it first. Why? They're a partner partners are not worried about like what's coming to me they're like i I want some roi i need some return on investment so i'm going to lean into everything that's happening in the house of god so it makes sense everybody Uh, i heard this great example once from my pastor and he was talking about the great surgeons of the world you know think of uh, dr carson for example you know back in the day doing these incredible brain surgeries and the like and these guys i'm telling you they they regard their hands so highly my dad was a designer he was like that like you could mess with them don't don't mess with my hands and, and, and so you can imagine, when they go into the, to the operating room, they just present their hands, and they just say, gloves. And the gloves are to appear, right? And, and, and then they get down, they're like, scuffle. And they just go like this, expecting to go, up. You know what I'm saying? That guy who's so like in command over that room, when he goes home, Think of the young surgeon that might go home and he's got a young wife and they have a little baby and the baby's pooping and there's a bunch of dishes in the sink and, 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 and she's like this when he's, oh, I've been waiting for you the whole day. She's, there's trash. I need you to take this trash. Go take it out. And the same doctor that would go, gloves, is now taking trash out to the dumpster. Why? Because that's his home. He has ownership. Listen to me. Let me tell you the difference in between this church and your old church is we want you to have ownership. This isn't Pastor Joe's church. This isn't the Joe show. This is your church. Those are your seats. 
That's your floor. That's your parking lot. You see some trash that's going on out there? Pick it up. That's your trash. If you've seen me before, many of you have. If I'm walking through that parking lot, I can't stand it. If I see a little like, like straw wrapper, I pick it up and put it in my pocket. Why? This is my house. This is my stuff, and it's your stuff. It's not just mine. It's ours, and that's what a partner is looking to do. It's my house. And so what are you saying? Write it down. Plug in. Plug in. You need to join the church. And, and the way to do that, the system that we have is New Chapel Connect. Next week, everybody say next week. Next week is Partnership One. Jump in. It is your opportunity to be a partner here at New Chapel. Next thing, number two. Number two, I will develop relationships with godly friends. Write that down. Make this the, the declaration of God. I might have been missing something, but this year I'm going to make some relationships with godly friends. You need a group of godly friends. How do I know if they're godly, Pastor Joe? It's not because they're perfect. Because at New Chapel, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. (laughs) But they are the people in your life that are encouraging you to grow in your relationship with God. That's how you know if they're godly friends or not. They're like, hey, you can do it. Yeah, plug into that group. Yeah, yeah, come along with us. You do get baptized. Yeah, that's awesome. And they're encouraging you to take those next steps. It's massive. And this was the pattern of the early church. I'll hear it every once in a while. Pastor, why don't we do church like the early church did it? Well, we're trying. But this is what the early church looks like. Act 2.44, all the believers met together, how often? Constantly. And what are they doing? They're sharing everything. They're, they're in a life relationship together. It's life-on-life discipleship. And that's the way church is meant to be done. What are they sharing? The real you. I don't show you everything about me by design. And I think it would be weird if I did. It'd be weird if I showed you my fun little cozy like pajamas that I wear when I go home. And I, it'd be some of you would lose respect for me if you saw that. Like it would be inappropriate, right? It's just you don't need to see everything, but somebody needs to. Somebody needs to have a handle. They don't know everything about your life, but somebody needs to. And and I don't mean in some disingenuous way that you need to sign up for groups or show up at church and just puke everything that's going on in your life. People run from people like that. But I am saying that you can develop a relationship, am I right, that becomes something greater than what it was in the beginning, and you thank God for that great relationship in your life. Where would I be without that connection, without somebody to be able to be like, hey, I'm in faith, I'm in faith, but I'm going to talk for a second, and it's not going to sound like faith. I just need to complain. I just need to vent. I'm still in faith but I'm going to complain and <laughs> just puke on them. They're like, hey, got it. I got my umbrella. None got on me. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's jump back on the right lane. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? You need somebody to see the real you and not the mask of you. And it's a huge deal. The reason why there's a pull in culture toward smaller churches, I hear a lot of that, or there's a pull in culture of people saying, well, I, I accept Jesus, but I, I reject organized religion. Do you know why? It's because for many, many years, churches have not been doing church right. Because church is not just Sunday morning in rows. It's more than that. Acts twenty twenty. what does the Bible say? Paul says that I taught you publicly. In other words, I, I, I taught you at church. In those rows, I preached publicly and, circle the word and, from house to house. Well, that's not just rows, that's circles. How many people you fit inside your living room? I mean, serious, right? Okay, here's another one. Acts 5 and verse 42, the Bible says every day in the temple, that's having church, and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach. 
And so church, listen to me, church, church, church is not just Sunday morning at 9 and 11 at New Chapel. Church is when you connect with your group. It'd be weird if you ask questions in this context. It'd be great if you ask questions at your group. That's where you're going to go deeper in your faith, everybody. And so what are you saying? Brand new point, never said it before in my ministry. I swear to God, it is you need to join in a group. You need to join in a group. And just so coincidentally, on the day I'm talking about relationships, today is the launch of our winter and spring small group semester. You need to plug in. Now you're like, well, I'm just coming in. I'm only thinking about this even right now, Pastor Joe. You are the ideal person to come because you think it's going to be filled with a bunch of church people, and you're going to be surprised at how few church people we have in a church full of people. And, and, and you're going to find how relatable some of these people are. It's great. Uh, some of them I have on their Facebook, and I, they, they forgot because I see some of the way that they live and some of the things they do. And I'm grateful they're, they're in groups. And so um, you need to go out. We're having a small group fair out in the lobby. And there's several different clipboards out there with the different groups. You can ask questions and talk about it. Sign up for a couple. Try a couple. Maybe you'll find one. You'll be drawn to that one. Do it. Now, if you're in a rush, you have to leave straight away, newchapel.com slash groups. You can go to that website. And, and here's the deal. This is the big on-ramp this weekend. But if we get four weeks in, you're like, man, I should have done it. Just show up. Who cares what you missed? You're halfway through the curriculum, halfway through the book. Nobody cares about that. In fact, can I be honest with you? It's more important for me as a pastor that you just make godly relationships. The content's good. The content is so good. But it's more important that you make those godly relationships because that's going to be the thing that provides the breakthrough. If at the end of that small group fair and checking out our, our offerings that we have online, you're still like, Pastor, I don't know what to do. We have, I think, cresting on 30 people coming to a group called New Chapel Grow. In fact, how many, Pastor Brian? 25 right now, and there's room for more. It is my group, New Chapel Grow, and this is not just for new believers, but if you're a new believer, it'd help. It's also for that Christian that knows God, but you don't know everything about your faith. Not that we're going to tell you everything, but you want to take next steps in it. You really do want to grow. Come to New Chapel. Come to New Chapel Grow. Third thing, write this down. You need to say this. This might be missing in your life. I will develop my relationship with a team, with a team. You need to be on a team. There's something about being on a winning team that is so important. Now, I was not a part of football or basketball, <clears throat> nothing like that. I did throw disc and shock put not very far at all, everybody, but uh, needed the exercise, uh, but I was in band. And I'll tell you what, that was awesome. How many band people do we have? Halftime's game time. Nobody? We need some evangelism. Okay. Um, and I remember being on that team and having some of the great wins. Let me tell you one of my great wins. I was awarded twice uh, the best drum major in the state of Michigan at the high school level. And yeah, eyes with pride. And I remember going to the Rockford Invitational. And Rockford, if you don't know, they think that they're the only people on earth. And um, we went there, and our band did okay, right? But when it came time for awards, those drum majors had to come, and the Rockford drum majors saluted the Nuevo drum major. I don't know. There might have been a rip in the space-time continuum when that happened. But here's the idea. There's nothing in the world like being on a winning team. You know what that's like. And, and so it, is it important what we're doing? Yeah, but it's, it's more than even just you doing the goal. It's a lot of fun. 
It's a lot of fun to be with other people and do something great together. And you will never do anything, anything significant in your life alone. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He's a hard worker. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So it paid off. He had something to show for it, but he wasn't content. No contentment. It says two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. You're doing the work. You try to like, here we go again on our own. But that song gets old after a while. You need to do it with a team with your people. And when you're doing it with your people, there's a better return for your labor. You're not having to work so hard. I could build a replica of the Twin Towers right out in our parking lot. I just couldn't do it alone. When you have a team of people, it makes all the difference. And so what are you saying? Sign up. Sign up. This is the year that you've been... You've been wanting more of God, wanting to go deeper in Him, wanting to fill in those blanks. One of the things that is missing in your walk with Him is serving. And, and this is very profound. Do sign up. I, I want to show you this passage in 2 Corinthians 10. This is one of the most profound passages when it comes to spiritual growth. It says this, We hope that your faith will grow. And look at me. I hope. The team hopes. Pastor Brian, the, the staff, we're all, we're all praying for you. I hope that your faith will grow and that our work among you will be greatly enlarged. Your spiritual growth is tied to your serving. And there is something about your Christian faith you will never understand until you're serving somebody that can't pay you back. I can't teach that. It's found on a team. Newchapel.com slash team. Sign up today. Grab a team up card on your way out. Join a team. It's not Hotel California where you can never leave, check out but never leave. You can serve twice a month for all I care. You need to serve somebody else besides you. Number four, write this down. I will develop my relationship with God. Develop is the key there. It's not just desire a relationship with him. It is it is on you to say, God, I'm going to take this relationship seriously as any other. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to develop my relationship with you. I had this thought that hit me this past week. And it's very simply said, like most of the series, but the weight that came with it, I think it's really going to set people free. I think it's going to minister to you. And it is this. What if this year you went all in? Like, like no holds barge. What if this was the year that instead of trying to think, of, well, I've got, what if you put God first? What if this was the year you went all in? I'm leaning into everything you have for me, God. What if this was the year? What would that produce in your life? So many people try God. And God bless you if you came into a new chapel today and you're like, I'm just trying to try this thing out. I'm glad you're here. But what, what if you went all in? Nobody tries to get their MBA and get their MBA. You either like go and get your MBA or you don't. In fact, there's a pile of people that try it. You don't try to go be a surgeon. You don't, you don't try to be a doctor. Don't try God this year. Develop your relationship with the God of ages. Develop your relationship with him. You know, when I was a young kid, I grew up in largely a secular home. Uh, my parents split when I was like six, four, four, five, six in that world. 
and uh, I lived with my mom for just a brief amount of time until it was just not safe and moved in with my dad. My dad uh, was a wonderful man. He passed away two years ago. He's just wonderful, was not perfect by any stretch of the matter, but he was, he was a riot and he was stable and there was love. And, and that goes a long way. And, and so I, I, I grew up in this secular home and we were Christians, meaning we, we put out Christmas trees and hid Easter eggs if that's what makes you Christian. Uh, but, but, but that was it. And I remember uh, really being drawn. God was drawing me towards more. And he used this, this girl at my school. She was an underclassman. And I remember watching her pray for her meal at lunch. And it blew me away. That simple act of devotion, I watched her do it. And I thought, what up? I mean, I'm living wild. I'm trying to do everything. And, and I was going to go be a designer. I'm telling you, I, I could have made a great living being a designer. I would, I, would, I would have enjoyed it. But it was so unfulfilling for me. And this girl, I, I watched her conduct and the way that she lived. Now, I ain't going to lie, I was a 17-year-old boy. So there was other wonderful things I was watching for as well. And so uh, I followed her to church. She did not invite me. That is total stalker, creeper stuff. Anybody does that to my daughter, you'll be hanging on my wall next to those deer. Um, <laughs> praise God. Uh, but I followed her to church on, on uh, June 4th, 2004. And, and that's where I traded my life. And, and I, I accepted God's life in me. I think I was saved before then. I, and, but here's the deal. All I wanted was fire insurance. I didn't want to go to hell. And I acknowledged him as Lord of all. I just thought, if I went all in with him, I'm going to be such a dork. It's going to be so boring. I'll live the most boring life you could ever imagine. I can't even imagine being a Christian. I mean, they're, they're in there singing Rock of Ages like it's a new song. You know, I mean, just, I can't do this. And, and, and so I agree with everything that you're saying. See at my wedding, because that's really the next time I want to be here. This is awful. And I just checked out of all of that. But listen, I saw a group of people that took their faith seriously, and I went all in with God, and it changed my life. I had a full ride to CMU. I had a, I had a, a full ride legacy scholarship to Kendall College. My grandpa taught there. My dad went there and taught there. I was going to be a designer. My grandpa was the man that brought in Charles Eames and turned Herman Miller from being traditional to modern. Okay, like, I'm, this, this is where things were going. And I couldn't do it. And I'm not saying that you're going to go into full-time ministry. In fact, I doubt many of you will, few of you, if any, in the room today. However, if you go all in, he will take all of your life. And he runs. And I'm telling you, from, from that moment to where I am now, we'll just say mid-30s, I, I have been... <laughs> running after my God to try to keep up. There has not been a dull moment. It has been the great adventure of my life, and it's because I went all in. If you're trying this thing out, the thing that you're trying out, the thing that you're searching for, you'll never get unless you go all in. That's what it says in Jeremiah 29. If you look for me, how? Wholeheartedly. That's when you're going to find me. You're going to struggle to find any meaning in this. You're going to do it out of duty or ritual or right or religion. You're going to do it because you think that you should or that, that, that you're in your 20s. And, man, we have kids now. We need to get our kids into this thing. You're going to do it for all the wrong reasons. You're going to miss God. But if you go for it wholeheartedly, you can change generations after you. 
You'll change your life, and you'll go on the greatest adventure. Go all in this year. What's going to happen, Pastor Joe? He'll make all things new in your life. Can we put our hands together for the God that makes all things new? Hallelujah. By your hands with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us in this place. And Lord, I pray for my church that, God, they would be people to take next steps in their relationship with you and with other people. God, that they would be they would be stirred to join a team and that, God, today they wouldn't leave without putting their name on one of those clipboards and signing up for a group. God, I pray that they would take that next step and, Lord, like you always do, meet them where they're at. Help bridge some of the weird awkwardness that they're going to feel. Lord, it's going to be awkward, but it's more awkward to live a life without you than it is to live a life in relationship with other Christians. God, I pray that you move in that way. And Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for another minute. You came into the auditorium today and you said, Pastor Joe, I agree with everything you said, but I don't think my life is right with God. Friend, the only way to have a right relationship with God is by accepting Jesus, God's only son, as your Lord and as your Savior. The scripture says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. What does that mean, saved? It means, yeah, when you die, you'll avoid hell. And you'll gain heaven. But that eternal life that you desire, that hope that you desire, that peace, that resolve that you desire, the advance and victory that you desire, it's found on the other end of you saying, Jesus, I'm making you Lord. What does that mean? Lord means boss in our language, our vernacular. And it's you finally saying that you're not such a great God over your own life, but the God of ages. He can have control, and he'll do amazing things. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, now's your moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray. And church, I want you to pray with me and with the people praying this for the first time. Let's support them. Let's say all of this is a declaration of what we believe. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Let me pray for you real quick before we leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.